So we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the book of Mark. And in a very short, short period of time, we have learned that Jesus went from being a virtual unknown to being known by everyone. He began his ministry in Mark chapter 1. And it says in the last verse of Mark chapter 1 that he could no longer openly enter the city because he was getting so much attention. He was, had to go out into deserted places and people came to him from every direction. It says in the last verse of the first chapter of Mark, at the beginning of chapter 2 there was a, a crowd so great around him that in order to get a paralyzed man to him to be healed, they, four men had to break a hole through a roof and, 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 and lower the man down to Jesus for healing. In chapter 3, verse 9, it says that he had to get into a boat. So great was the multitude that, there, that he, couldn't, he couldn't do it standing around them. They were literally pushing him into the sea. He had to get into a boat. Same thing in chapter 4, verse 1. Had to get into a boat to, to preach. And then in chapter 5, verse 21, same thing. A great multitude was gathered to Jesus, so it is no surprise that we learn in chapter 6, verse 14, where we are today, please turn there, chapter 6, verse 14, no surprise that we learn that the king had heard of him. The king. It says in verse 14, but when Herod Rather, back in verse 14, it says, Now King Herod heard of him, for his name had become well known. So King Herod, having heard that lepers are coming to Jesus and being cleansed, paralyzed people brought to him, rise and go home walking. Uh, people possessed by demons, having their the demons cast out, and even the dead are being raised. Yes, that news gets to the king. And so uh, King Herod finds out about him, and uh, he comes up with his own theory that Jesus is not really Jesus. He's John the Baptist who rose from the dead. Herod had beheaded, taken John the Baptist's head off. He's like, this isn't, this isn't Jesus. That's just what they're calling him. He's John the Baptist raised from the dead. So let's continue reading in the middle of verse 14. Uh, Herod said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead and therefore, these powers are at work in him, speaking of Jesus. Verse 15, others said, it is Elijah. So Elijah, the uh, most famous prophet of the Old Testament, like, well, I, I, Elijah actually never 
died. He was taken up into heaven. And they said, well, this is a reappearance um, of, uh, of Elijah when they saw Jesus. Uh, it says, others said, it is the prophet. Moses had prophesied of a prophet that would come someday. Um, or, or like one of the prophets. Verse 16, but when Herod heard, heard, he said, no, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. So he was convinced that Jesus was John the Baptist raised from the dead. So let's continue reading. Verse 17 says this, for he himself had sent and laid hold of John... For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Herod had married his brother Philip's wife. Verse 18, because John had said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. So Herod, pleased by his wife's daughter's dance, said, you ask me whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Verse 23 Herod also swore to the girl, saying, Whatever you ask me, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. Verse 24. So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Verse 25. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Oh my! How about that for a Sunday after Easter message? Uh, here you have it. Uh, but listen, there's so much to learn from this passage. The more I studied this passage, the more I realized what am I going to talk about? Because there is so much here for you, your heart, and mine. So you remember John the Baptist. 
He is the one at the very beginning of the book of Mark, chapter 1, he introduces Jesus to the world. In the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, the prophet Malachi prophesied that 500 years later, or at some time in the future, before the Messiah came, there would be a man, a prophet, to introduce him. 500 years after that book was written, prophesying that someone would come on the scene and introduce the Messiah onto the scene comes who? John the Baptist. The Bible says that John the Baptist grew up in deserts. Uh, he, he did have parents, Zacharias, who was a priest, and Elizabeth, um, and he, he, he grew up with them, but in verse 80 of Luke 1, it says he grew up in deserts, meaning getting to know God. That's a sermon in and of itself, getting alone and just getting to know God. Uh, and, and so uh, uh, the Bible says in, in Matthew that he was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. His food was locusts and wild honey. So his parents had trained him in the Word of God, but soon he was announcing to the world, he's out in the desert Everyone was coming out to see him. This is before anyone even knew of Jesus. And he said to them, very soon the Son of God is coming. He said in Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 78, he said, there is one coming after me. He's mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to tie. I'm baptizing you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse 4, that... Um, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to come. How did he do that? By telling people to repent. By telling them to repent. To the religious leaders, John the Baptist said, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. This is what he told them. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Meaning, the judgment of God is coming. You're so self-righteous. You're so comfortable. You, you're, a, you're hypocrites. You don't realize you're all comfortable that the wrath of God is coming, and it's coming against you. And he told them, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and don't say that Abraham's our father. Meaning, don't say, oh, we grew up in church. We grew up, our, I was Catholic. I was born into the Catholic church. I, my, my parents went to Baptist church. I was born there. Don't even begin to say that. That doesn't make you righteous. You need to repent, is what he told them. Because they were like, I'm, we're Jewish. We're all set. People do that today um, um, as well. Um, and and uh, he told them, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Uh, he said that in Luke chapter 3, verse 9, he says, the axe is at the root of the trees. Every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's what he's telling the religious leaders. 
John the Baptist, extraordinary guy. And then it, it, it says that just the common people came out to him, and they said, well, what do we do? We hear what you said to the religious leaders. What's up with us? What do we got to do? And John answered uh, and said in verse 11, he said, if you have two tunics, meaning if you have two uh, uh, shirts and pants, give to them who have none. And he who has food, let him do the same. Don't hoard up all your wealth. Give it away. It says the tax collectors also came to him. And he said to them, and they said to John the Baptist, what do we do? And he said, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Notice he doesn't say you got to quit your job. They had an honorable profession. They were tax collectors. But what they were doing is that they were collecting whatever they wanted to collect and giving to Rome what Rome wanted and keeping everything else and growing, uh, um, growing uh, very wealthy. And then, really interesting to me, it says soldiers, Roman soldiers. So these people aren't even Jews. But this guy had such power and authority. Roman soldiers, who everyone's terrified of at the time, came to him and said, well, what do we do? And he said to them, don't intimidate people. See, they, a bunch of Roman soldiers, generally, they were bad cops. They, they intimidated them. They went to them and, 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 and said, you know, we're in charge here. Rather, rather than we're, we're servants of the people, that's, we own you. And they, they would shake them up for, uh, for, for, for money. Uh, it, it says, he said to the Roman soldiers, these are the, the most feared. Roman soldiers actually were probably the most feared soldiers in the history of the world. And here's this man telling him. He says, don't accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Be content with what you're paid. You see, they were just taking money from people. This is John the Baptist. This is what he was doing. Uh, an amazing personality, uh, to be sure. Now, the good news was that these crooked cops were coming out to see him. Tax collectors who were ripping people off, they were actually making the trip into the desert, into the wilderness, to see the John the Baptist. But there was one guy who was not going out to see John the Baptist, even though he knew him. What was his name? Shout it out. King Herod. That's right. The king. <laughs> king Herod had a brother named Philip. Philip was married to a woman named Herodias. Herod wanted her as a wife, so he took her and married her. Big problem. God had made really clear in his word, the Bible, that that was a big time sin. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 16, in case you haven't read it recently, this is what it says. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. The Bible doesn't hold anything back, does it? It is your brother's nakedness. She is his, not yours. Really clear. So here in verse 18, um, in, in Mark chapter 6, John said to Harris, Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now pause. Let's hit the pause button. 
There is a tendency in you and me, and it drives me crazy when preachers do this. They do it all the time. They, they look at this story of Herod, and, uh, uh, rather of Herod and, and they get all self-righteous. We get all self-righteous. What's up with this wicked dude? You know what, you know what happens when we, we get like that? What happens? We're just exalting ourselves in our own mind. If we can only find someone more wicked than us, we feel better. But here, the, the tr- if the truth be told, my daughter Faith and I are, are reading this book, wonderful book, but the, 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 I'm going to talk about it in a future week. I mean, this book should not only be read once, it should be read five times. I mean, it's this good. This good. The author points out, I think correctly, that in the day of judgment... There's a day of judgment, by the way. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says you're appointed to die one time and then comes judgment. But the author points out that um, in the day of judgment, a man or woman will be judged not only on the, based on the things that they did wrong, but listen to me, but also the things that they would have done wrong if they could have gotten away with it. Did you hear me? Good, because this is what the Bible in fact teaches. It says all things are naked and open to the eyes to him who, uh, of whom we must give an account. If that thought doesn't make you run to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me because I don't have a chance in the day of judgment. Listen, I don't know what does. What thought? The thought that you will be judged. Or there will be a judgment on judgment day. Not only the wrong things that you do, but the things that you would have done if you could have gotten away with it. The Bible teaches that. Now, that's a holy God. And I'm glad God's holy. But that, I'm, let me tell you, that makes me just run to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have no chance. Would you please, please, I need your blood. I need the cross and what it did for me. And so, so um, Herod did this. Why did Herod do this? Because he could get away with it. He had absolute power to do virtually anything he wanted. He took his brother's wife because he could. No one was going to stop him from doing that or anything else. And live to speak about it. He was doing what many, 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 many others do. Or rather would do if they could get away with it. But, but you can never get away with anything with God. And God gives him a personal visit. Gives him a personal visit. Again, verse 18. What does it say? It says, John the Baptist went to him and said in verse 18, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Verse 19 says, therefore Herodias held it against John. The wife hears about this. This is the wife of Philip and wife of Herod. She hears about this. She holds it against John, verse 19 says, and wanted to kill him, but she could not, for Herod feared John. Important, underline that. She feared John, or rather he feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, 
Meaning when uh, Herod talked to John, he did many things and heard him gladly. He, he heard Herod, uh, uh, Herod heard John gladly, meaning he liked to hear him. He would call him out of prison. Talk to me, dude. And John would talk to him, and he said he heard him glad, gladly. But it also says that Herod did many things based on what John the Baptist was telling him. Important. We'll talk about that later. So we read about, we read about this in Romans chapter 1. The first response of fallen man to, to, to truth, the truth about God is to, is to what? Someone shout it out. What's the first What's the first response that man has when man hears the truth or sees the truth? Just shout it out. Come on. First response. Romans chapter 1. Suppress it, meaning push it down, meaning push it out of the way. Ignore it. Hide it. Twist it and twist it and twist it until it no longer is against us. It's for us. Um, or, better yet, just kill it. Just kill the truth. And, and that was what, what, what Herodias tries to do. She convinces Herod to first arrest John and throw him into prison. But really, it says, we just read it, she wants to kill the man. Is there something? And we come here to do business. Is there something in your life that you know is wrong and you're just twisting the truth so it's no longer against you? You know, you know my brother Philip, he treated Herodias so bad. She was so, so depressed. She was talking about suicide. I saved her by taking her and marrying her. Are you doing that? Some of you are. You're doing that. This word is for you today. <laughs> or maybe you have a, a, a John the Baptist. A, you, you have a John the Baptist in your life. <laughs> you should be very thankful for that John the Baptist. But that John the Baptist has been telling you you're wrong. That thing is wrong in your life. But you're avoiding your John the Baptist. You're not answering John the Baptist text, blocking that number, avoiding him or her, that John the Baptist. As much as, as you can, you're behaving like Herod and Herodias. That's what you're doing. Again, verse 18, John the Baptist goes to Herod and says, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. You know, we come to church. I'm going to really shift directions now. Because there's a whole other message here that I want to introduce. We come to church to learn the heart of God. Because when we learn the heart of God, we love Him and serve Him with more joy, more diligence, more zeal. And when I'm reading this story about Herod, again, I'm shifting gears completely now. <laughs> And talk about something completely different. I, I, there's a spectacular story here that I don't want anyone to miss. There's a spectacular story, and, and, and it's this. The two highest ranking officials in Israel, King Herod 
who ruled in the north of Israel, and, and Pilate, who ruled in the south, God went after both of them. He went after both of them because he loved them and he wanted to save them. It's not often how we read the, 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 um, uh, read the story of Herod, and we do that to our own discredit. We're not looking at the heart of, of God. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. With the Roman governor Pilate, we talked about this in our study of the book of John in, in chapter 18. Pilate asked Jesus on the day of his crucifixion, are you the king of, your, of the Jews? And what did Jesus respond? He said, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? We see Pilate, unfortunately, as this guy responsible for Jesus being crucified, uh, but, but, but Jesus sees it, saw it in a different way. And we talked about this in the book of God, the book of John. When Jesus saw Pilate, he saw a man shrouded with the fires of eternal judgment, and he wants to save him. Are you asking me whether I'm a king because you personally have an interest in the, in the kingdom of God or just because others want to bring charges against me? The Roman governor, Pilate, tries to shut him down. If, if you remember what he said when Jesus said, he goes, am I a Jew? Stop it with this religious stuff. Jesus doesn't stop. He then tells the Roman governor, Pilate, look, I've come into the world uh, that I should uh, bear witness of the truth and everyone who's of the truth hears my voice, Pilate. God wants you, Pilate. He wants you. You've been living a lie. He wants you. Now, unfortunately, Pilate shuts him down a second time. He says, well, what is the truth? At that point, his, his eternity is sealed. But from Jesus, from first to last, he relentlessly pursues souls to save them from eternal judgment and into an eternal love relationship with him. He does the same thing with the most powerful governor in the northern part of Israel. He sends John the Baptist to Herod. Herod said he had converted to being a Jew. For you Bible scholars, and I hope you all are becoming Bible scholars, he was an Edomite, a descendant of Esau, who was Jacob's brother, but he had converted for political reasons and he became a Jew. And God says to John the Baptist, okay, I know you've been living in the wilderness for the last 20 years, sorry, you've got to go into the city and go to um, Herod because why? I love him. I want to save him. John the Baptist says, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. You may be getting away with everything, getting away with it with everyone else, Herod, but not with God. It's not lawful to you to be with your brother's wife. Listen, Calvary Chapel. Please listen. John the Baptist was a gift from God to King Herod. God was pursuing this man to save his soul. Again, we, we, we view the guy as a scoundrel. 
Uh, God would not uh, consider saving a wicked man like that. My guess is that not a single person in this room, for most of the time you've read this story, would, would it even dawn on you? If you're like me, at least, that actually what was going on with John the Baptist, among other things, was God was trying to save this man who called himself a, chi- ch- a child of Israel. It's not lawful for you to be with your brother's wife. God doesn't, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, including people who do just the most outrageous things. We're coming in already into a time, by the way, this is, not, this is being considered less and less um, outrageous. It's actually been legalized in part of this country, taking multiple wives. God wants to save those people who are doing that. Don't look at them with hate. Don't look at them with d- despising them. Look at, look at them the way the Lord uh, 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 looks at them. Listen, that person who is clearly in sin in your life, that family member, that coworker, that friend, that neighbor, you are God's gift to them. You need to see yourself as God's gift to that person. You are a gift to them. Stop it with this low view of your self-esteem or whatever it is. Get the self-esteem that, that God packs into your life. You are a gift to that person, to that neighbor. And, 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 and it, it's so important that you understand this. Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, what's interesting is that unlike Pilate, who seems to shut down Jesus immediately, that doesn't happen with Herod. Again, it says, it says in verse 20, it says he feared John. He knew he was a just and holy man. He protected him. And when he heard him, he, he did many things. And he heard him gladly. I find this fascinating. This is a king. John the Baptist was as far as you can imagine from an earthly king. Uh, the guy probably had no friends. He did have followers, but he, the guy, he grew up in the desert by himself. He had absolutely no wealth. He lived off the land. Wild honey and locusts. His clothes, camel skin with a belt. Everything the world works itself into the ground to acquire. He had none of it. Yet, the king is terrified of him. Most of the time, it's, it's the other way around, right? Subjects are scared of the king. Not so when there is someone who boldly, with love, declares the word of God. Here, the king is terrified of the subject. Why? Simply because he, he, he gave him the word of God. Before I was a full-time pastor, I was out in the secular warf- workforce for, for 20 years. And I thank God that when I entered the secular wor- uh, workforce, by the grace of God, I was fired up for Jesus. And I got to tell you, I have been ever since. <laughs> But one of the things that I committed to the Lord early on, and it was just don't think I'm like this fearless guy. I'm a chicken. But, but, but I do fear God. 
One of the things I committed myself is that everywhere I was, I'm going to tell the king about Jesus. And so, you know, I remember my, my, my first, uh, my first uh, full-time uh, permanent job, you know, I was in an office. I was going to tell the king, my boss's boss's boss. And, I, and, and Christmas, by the way, is the greatest time to do it. People will listen. They won't listen to you the rest of the year. They'll listen to you at Christmas the great thing about Christmas. And, and, you know, here I was, I was like 26 years old at the time, and um, my boss's 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 boss, and I'm going to write to this guy about my personal testimony in the Lord and Jesus Christ. And, I'm, and, 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 and by the way, the first three or four times I did this, I'm like, this is the end of my career, I'm done, you know, I, I, this type of thing. But, but I shared, I put it in there, I also sh- wrote a note to the guy right underneath them, and I gave it at Christmas, my testimony about salvation in Christ, what Christmas means to me. You know what happened? Fortunately, they weren't married to a Herodias. They didn't cut my head off. But I believe a holy fear. They had a greater respect. They had a greater respect for me, and I was just like, that I prospered like I'd never had prospered before, professionally. And I just kept on doing it. Eventually, my last job was at a company with 40,000 employees. I wrote to the chairman of the board. And I just wrote the, 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 about Jesus Christ, a, a, a man who I'm very thankful for. He provided for my family and I, a private corporation. Multiple people in the church have worked at this corporation Fidelity Investments. I wrote to the chairman. I wrote to the man right underneath him, who I, I actually I knew him. He had he 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 would he he had a role in my hiring. And and it's amazing what people do when they they, they will surprise you. I I I remember interviewing with this very important man. He had found out I was a, a pastor during the week on on weekends and worked uh, at the company uh, during the. Um, worked at the company during the week. And when I was interviewing this man, he had already heard that I was a preacher. And he said, listen, I want you to go out to these employees underneath me with the same zeal you have as a preacher. I want you to do it as an employee with them. This guy, I am shocked that he is telling me this. What? This isn't supposed to happen. I'm supposed to get my head cut off. But anyway... um, Listen, I don't want you looking at me and, and saying, wow, this guy is such a God-aholic. No, I want you to do it. I had to do it. You do it. And I can tell you that more likely than not, you're not going to get your head chopped off. That's not going to happen. It may, and if it does, guess, guess what? What happened to John the Baptist right then to be absent from the body is present with the Lord? Uh, praise God. But, but so important, you are empowered by the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word of God is like a hammer. It, it hammers through, through, through hard hearts. It hammers rock. And, 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 and so listen, Calvary Chapel, go out. Share with the King. Do it. Just do it. I challenge you. And, and I pray that it actually is um, the Lord uh, challenging you. Mark, again, verse 20 says that, um, uh, this is really important. It says that Herod heard him 
And he did many things and heard him gladly. He did many things and, uh, and, 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 and so what is he talking about there? What, what does that mean, he did many things? Well, what do you suppose that John the Baptist was telling him? Well, I, I, th- I think you don't have to go there, but I'll just repeat what I already repeated in, John chapter, in, in, in Luke chapter 3. It says, he who has two tunics, let him give away. Two garments, of, uh, um, two garments, just give away your garment. If you have two, give one of them away. Uh, don't rip people off and collect more taxes than are appointed. Or don't intimidate anyone. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with what you had. It says Herod did many things. He did those things. But he lacked one thing, and that was what? The very thing that the Holy Spirit was going after. Is that you? I tell you, Cavalry Chapel... What happens to me on a regular basis? It happened this week. Someone telling me, and I, I was going after a sin in their life, which is just an open and flagrant sin. And they're like, well, what about this thing I do? What about that thing? What about this? What about that? Listen, you sound like King Herod. Is that you today? Is that you on live stream? Is that you? It, 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 you're not going to be able to say, um, say that when you get to the judgment seat. That, oh, I know, I, I, I know God was going after that one thing, but what about all these other things? No, it doesn't work like that. You're behaving like a King Herod, the Bible says. And, and so let's, let's, uh, let's finish up our story here. It says in, um, in verse 21, it says that uh, when all the people... Oh, no. Sorry. Wrong verse 21. It says, verse 21, Then an, an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for the nobles, the high officials, and the chief men of Galilee. And, the, and when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up half of my kingdom. By the way, a whole sermon there on on alcohol. I I believe the Bible teaches moderation. That's what, what I believe. That's what I know to be true. But let me tell you, you have one drink more than you should. You'll be doing real stupid stuff. And, and, and the Bible calls that sin. Just stop it, Calvary Chapel. Stop that nonsense with the alcohol. And, and, and so it, it, he did something really stupid. He, he tells, he tells uh, his wife's daughter, I'll give you half my kingdom. So what does she do? She says, she goes to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And it says that immediately she came in and with haste, I, and, and she said, um, uh, uh, the, uh, and it says the king was exceedingly sorry, verse 26. Why? Because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him. In other words, pride. The praise of men. That's what it was about. It was he, he, he didn't want to be humiliated in front of man. That's what happened. 
And, and it says that uh, because of that, he sent an executioner to the prison. The, uh, the executioner went there, verse 28. He brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When the disciples heard of it, they came in and took away his cor- um, corpse and laid it in a tomb. Hey, Elise, I have a, a book inside my book bag. Can you bring it up here? What was... What was the downfall of Herod? You know, here's the, here's the scary thing. By three years later, when Jesus appears before him, his heart had completely hardened. Thank you. His hard, heart had completely hardened, and the Bible says he mocked Jesus. That's what happens, Calvary Chapel, when you don't take serious that one sin that the Lord's going after. That's what happens. But what was it that really made him, that really sealed his fate? Anyone want to shout it out? What was it? Not the fear of God, but the fear of, no, the fear of man. Because of the fear of man, he basically... He, he killed John the Baptist and he sealed his fate. His, his heart hardened after that time, just like Romans chapter 1 describes, will happen if you just never give up that darling sin. And, and you know, it's, um, as I close out today, and, and, and the worship team can come up at this time, but I, I want to share this. Uh, you know, at the communion service, at the uh, Good Friday service. We talked about the importance of understanding that you're loved. Understanding that you are loved by God. Once you understand that you are loved by God, Calvary Chapel... You're not going to give in to the praise of man. Now, uh, uh, or to the praise of man or the fear of man. Herod wanted the praise of man. He feared man. Don't you be like that. Now, what's the prescription in the Bible for, for not giving in to the fear of man? Of, of not giving in to the praise of man and just continuing in sin? It's understanding that you're loved by God. What is the demonstration of that love? The cross. And at the communion service, we went over, uh, we went over all the verses in the Bible, not all of them actually, about half, it, that are in the New Testament. There's many more in the Old Testament where you... You who have given your heart, your whole heart, to Jesus, you're called beloved. You're called beloved. Over and over and over and over again. In 1 John, has that famous verse, God is love. It's mentioned twice, 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 16, God is love. But th- and throughout, John calls the people and he calls you what you are you're called beloved first john 3 2 beloved now we are children of god 
and has not yet been revealed what we shall be. 1 John 3.21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. 1 John 4.1, Beloved, do not just believe any spirit, but test the spirits. He's not calling beloved because he loves them. He's calling um, um, them beloved because that's what they are. They're loved by God. Beloved. 1 John 4, uh, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God loved us, we um, also ought to love one another. 3 John 1, 1, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love. Th- um, uh, th- uh, 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. In, in Romans chapter 1, v- uh, verse 7, it says uh, it, that Paul addresses the letter to the church in Rome, Beloved by God, that's who you are. Now, now this, this, here's a, a book that I'm, I'm reading with my, uh, my daughter's uh, boyfriend, and uh, it's called Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. This is what it says. It says, individuals who suffer from a poor image of themselves, they're caught up in self-rejection, they have no defense against group pressures. They do not see themselves as object of God's love, and they have no place to make a stand. Let me tell you, when you understand that you're the object of God's love, you will make a stand when every single one of your friends, even if there's people in the church calling you into sin, you will make a stand. No, I'm God's beloved. I don't have to do that. So important that you understand that. God so loved Herod that he sent John the Baptist to him. But he rejected the whole thing. And he sealed his fate. By the time Jesus shows up, he's mocking him. I want to close now with, we're going to close with a worship song. But before that, I just want to give the opportunity for anyone who wants prayer. The Lord has been going after a particular sin in your life and you've been struggling with it. Humble yourself before the Lord and stand up and let me pray for you. You don't want to be like Herod. You don't want to be like Herod. You don't want to be like one of those uh, people that you have a sin in your life and you try to present anything else, everything else with God. If you have a sin in your life, are you going to be ashamed? <laughs> don't be ashamed. The Bible says, he who humbles himself, God will exalt. If you have an area in your life Man, you're good and you've excelled at other areas of your life, but not this one. You've held on to it. Eddie, can we have a... You've held on to it. Thank you. Thank you for standing up. And everyone sitting, please pray for these people with me. This is a powerful thing. I pray in the name of Jesus, thanking you, Lord, because your message for these people standing right now is, is what? You are not King Herod. 
You've rejected the way of Herod that so many people have warmed pews and churches over right today in the United States of America and the world and throughout history. Just Herod sitting in church week after week, not giving all their lives to you. Lord, you have said that, you said in your word that not always everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father who is above. Lord, you deserve all of us. And I just pray for these people standing. I pray in the name of Jesus. Your word says in the book of Romans that he who lives by the flesh will die, but he who by the Spirit puts to death the deeds of the flesh will live. I pray for them, Lord. That you give them a word, that sword of the Spirit, to slay that thing in the, in the flesh, whatever it is. That, that you know, for, for Herod, it was... Um, it was uh, having his brother's wife. He did it because he could get away with it. These people are standing, Lord, saying, I've gotten away with it before men, but not before you. Help me, God. Yes, help them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Help them by the power of your Spirit, Lord. Encourage them. Lift them up, Lord. Give them that place of joy. Your word says, when we repent, Acts chapter 26, there's times of refreshing come from you. Give them a refreshing, Lord. Even as they sing this worship song we're about to sing, give them a refreshing. Thank you for doing this work in their lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. If everyone.